I've, I've said before, you should just get rid of everything. Just burn it all. Including your bows and arrows. And house. That's why I well, only have... Uh, how else is he supposed to shoot flaming arrows? Like, that's oh, right. Good point. Yeah, good point. All right, yeah. Point. And also, that's why I only have one of... I only have one at a, at a time. <laughs> he has one bow and one arrow, and he has to, like, walk over to the target and pull it out and then walk back again. <laughs> the Man, he's very yeah, dedicated. He's not allowed to buy another one until that <laughs> one is gone. Yeah. <laughs> what about your board games, Ken? So it's one in Welcome to episode 72 of the Player 2 Pixelcast. I'm Stephen Del Prado, and I've taken on hosting duties for tonight in lieu of anyone more talented being available for the job or with a working internet connection. Joining me tonight is the always hydrated Tim Henderson with another cracking-looking beverage in hand. How are you, Tim? Hey, I mean, it's got koalas in the cup. It has to be at least somewhat innocent, right? <laughs> right? It doesn't even focus because I... I, <laughs> I have drunken camera vision on. Much like Tim's eyes, his camera is unfocused. <laughs> Next up, we have a man who has developed more than a passing resemblance to a Super Saiyan. It's Adam Roth. <laughs> Hello, how you doing, guys? What is your secret, Adam? What was my what? <laughs> what is your secret to your physique? Ah, uh, hard work, uh, dedication, genetics. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I just, um, I can't not do anything. So doing something... It's just in my nature. Doesn't matter what it is. That that's not. I wanted some sort of quick fix. I wanted easy steps, Adam. Steroids. That, that makes that makes sense. <laughs> Steroids. It's like how attached to your testicles are you? <laughs> well. <laughs> Please no. He's on camera. Guess <laughs> what? We've got a video camera. Oh, shit. Hang on. <clears throat> And finally, we have the Hawkeye of the Player 2 crew, who forever tips the balance in our favour and rarely misses his mark. It's Ken Lee. Which Hawkeye are we talking about? Like, Hawkeye from MASH or Hawkeye from, like, Avengers? Avengers Hawkeye. I was actually I mean, Avengers. I prefer MASH Hawkeye, but I figured I'd go with an archery reference. Right, okay. Apparently it missed its mark. I'm very sorry, Ken. Oh, that was good, though. <laughs> now... Tonight's main topic is our current sentiments regarding the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, which have just hit one year in the wild and appear under the TVs of the lucky few able to secure them. With supply showing no signs of meeting demand anytime soon, how do we feel coming up to the one-year anniversary of these systems? Has it been an exciting time to be an early adopter, or are those poor sods still clamouring to get a system not really missing that much just yet? What would we consider essential purchase for each system? And if we had to declare a superior platform right now which one would it be but first we're going to kick off with as we always do what have we been playing now Tim I hear you're a fan of detectives I hear you're a fan of feudal Japan I hear that this has been the ultimate combination of those two interests for you it is great Ace Attorney Chronicles how is that it's I mean it's a Phoenix Wright game effectively (laughs) except you know it's set in Victorian era London and like feudalish um, Japan, and I believe it is actually just two um, 3DS games that were previously unreleased in the West that they've kind of polished up and put in the Switch, and I think there's a PlayStation version as well, and then just kind of like you know, bit sharper, package them together, charge you full price again. But the thing is, like these Phoenix Wright games, or I guess you should really call call the series Ace Attorney. They're, I mean, they're effectively you know, 
visual novels with adventure game mechanics, but they're also typically pretty good. So this one... Yeah, I like them. I think they're wonderful games. Yeah, it... Uh, it's, it is somewhere between, like, a novel and a comic book with, like, puzzle-solving in between. And the thing I think I'm starting to notice the most here is the way that they can kind of use the fact that, you know, the text is coming up on a screen. is like, they can control the pacing of that stuff, like, the dialogue and everything, like, really well in a way that a normal novel just... or comic book just couldn't. Um, so this one starts off where you're basically a first or second year university student... Japanese kid is still wearing what looks like a very traditional Japanese high school uniform and the setup for this one that gets everything in motion is you are accused of killing somebody and your best friend who's like the super brilliant whatever prodigy child is like already basically a lawyer even though he's still in university but then you then through some technicalities in the story things like he actually cannot represent you at the last moment so you end up representing yourself um, and your name is um, Naruhodo which in Japanese basically means ah now I get it <laughs> the so word puns I love it so, like some of them they just can't the thing that um, and then I've finished the first three cases in the first game so to say I'm playing the Chronicles is almost misleading I'm playing the first of the two um, and as is the case with these they kind of get a bit longer as each one um, goes but like your character Nadohoto looks exactly like Phoenix Wright except a little bit younger so they're like clearly going like it's very obvious <laughs> from the start if you've played any of the other games what this is going to be, um, but I mean, mechanically so far, this is exact. Like, if you've played a Phoenix Rider Ace Attorney game, you know exactly what to expect. You're going to have banter back and forth in the courtroom. You're going to be examining witnesses. Um, the better the few kind of things since a lot. I haven't played one of these in a long time. Um, now, um, they've started to actually introduce a jury, and you can kind of like scan left and right and like see other people's reactions to each other's testimony, and try and catch stuff out that way. Um, that's nowhere near as nuanced as it sounds because this is still like very over the top and cartoony so if a character does react to something someone else is saying they do basically make a super saiyan facial expression so you can't really miss it I mean so far it's all like actually been quite um, tightly written there's been a lot of intrigue I wish the music had a bit more verve like I get why they've, you know they've framed it to like fit the era but I kind of miss the just openly chip tune nature of that very first game because it was cheesy as sin, but man, it had some things where, like, you, if you got that object, you shout objection and you, you find the inconsistency, and, like, it makes you feel like you fucking nailed that other guy against the wall when it happens. It's, it's exciting. I, I, it's amazing that you will just... We talk about games and how, like, um, when you're playing and you do something right, like, it feels like, oh, yeah... That, those games always made me feel that way. No. They go, objects, I'm like, yes, I want to be a lawyer. None has ever... None... None have ever, actually, as much as the first one, done that for... Like, I remember still playing the first one on the original DS, although in Japan it was originally a Game Boy Advance game, so I guess it's one of the few cases where in the West we're still a generation behind. Um, so I was playing that probably... <laughs> Um, what, 2006, 2007? And literally going, this is the most exhilarating a game has made me feel since Resident Evil 4. Like, these games, when you get, when they get going, you actually, like, you're pal- you're du- they're almost pulse-pounding. Pulse um, but I mean, it's quirk, like, and it's also got, um, none of the just weird translation errors that seem to be in the last one I played, which is some, it was a 3DS one, I've forgotten exactly what it was called. It got really wild, but it was also at least rough in the localization, um, department. But this is like a low flyer for maybe the favorite thing I played this year. Like it, it some like some of the dialogue is so long it is barely a game. 
like I say, you have to approach it like it's kind of a visual novel, and they do that really well. And it's been like quite clever so far. They've done well with the change of scenery. Um, obviously, not all the puns translate to English very well. The thing I did find interesting is a game called um, Herlock Sholmes. When you get when you start moving your way towards England, except I've got the voices set. To, I actually going in, I thought like the first game was set in Japan, and the second one was Victorian England. The first game has already like been in both. So I'd set the voiceover to Japanese, and I was going to set it for English for the London parts. Um, but I'm pretty sure, if I heard correctly, he just straight up calls himself Sherlock Holmes in the Japanese one. So I don't know if there's some sort of weird, like, rights or, like, legacy or copyright thing that's, like, stopping that in Eng- in English, and they had to, like, rename it, or if they just thought it would be funny. I think they had to rename it. Uh, my understanding, because my wife's a big fan of these games... And yeah, it was Sherlock Holmes when they brought it over here. They're like, yeah, you're going to get sued. So they made it Sherlock Holmes. It is amazing that still happens. Like, that's, that seems like just such an 80s thing where Japan would just use whatever logo or, or thing and then they'd have to change it and they get over here. Now, this game is only a couple of years old, even if you go to the original. That is, a, that is kind of incredible. <laughs> just zero shit's given. They're like, what? Nah, screw it. Yeah, there's a. Well, it's not as if, like. It's not as if it's not as if trademark people would be like combing through all of their material in like Japanese characters to see whether they've infringed it's any still copyright. A pretty major character. I mean, I you know last time I was talking about the um, Good Life. That also has its own Sherlock character. He except his her name is Homeless. Um, he's just like an intelligent bum who's like a self-styled detective. <laughs> that game is also pretty good. Also, maybe worth noting before we segue off from this um, with regard to The Good Life, because I did mention, and I really meant it, like it had a really bad visual flickering issue on the PS5, as it was just always there, like epilepsy warning level of you will have a fit. Um, that has actually been patched like three or four times. It still happens, but it's a lot more playable now. So yeah, Sherlock and The Good Life, they're both good. Well, those definitely have my interest. Now, a visual novel set in feudal Japan and Victorian era London certainly is a far cry from oh. other games that other people have been playing. I'm sorry, I couldn't keep that one together. <laughs> oh, you've been playing Far Cry Six, haven't you? <laughs> Can we just take a moment for that segue? Way. <laughs> Can we just get a freeze frame of Adam's reaction and use that for the show posts? <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> I think we've we've appreciated that quiet that moment and and gave the moment of silence it deserved. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I've been playing um, been playing a bit of Far Cry Six um recently. Picked it up when it when when it came out. Um. Oh, hold on. I need to sneeze. Two. I did it for him. COVID. Thankfully oh. not. No, I had to mute my mic there, so I just didn't sneeze into the microphone. Wait. Fuck. Do we? Sorry. Uh, I said, do we need to like pad this out with more talk about sneezing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, I hear Far Cry 6 is nothing to sneeze at, Ken. What else can you do to elaborate on that? <laughs> Heaven help us all. Oh, you need some uh, really soft tissues to help you out there. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Far Cry 6 is very Far Cry. It's more of the same formula, which I guess, like, for some people, it, it is comforting. And for myself, particularly, it's it's 
comforting. I, I kind of know what I'm, I'm expecting, and I know there there will be a map full of icons and random things to do that have nothing to do with the game. <laughs> um, and I think I'm preferring the setting and the world and the and the characters a bit more than Far Cry Five. So I was not a fan of. Five's ending. Um, if it, many years have passed, I'm not going to spoil it. But I, I felt that Five's ending was uh, was a bit of a cop out. Um, I'm pretty sure Huso was the only person who did like it. So yeah, like Huso and I had like a post Far Cry Five discussion, and we both ended up on on opposite ends of the spectrum. And just did not like, I, but I did enjoy the setting. I enjoyed, you know, walking around. It's, it felt like going for bushwalks. Um, in Far Cry Six, there is no reason to go bushwalking anywhere because I'm just jumping into a copter and flying across everything. So I'm doing the laziest way that you could potentially play an open world game, which is just fly over everything and get to the mission point, finish the mission, and then fly to the next one. Um, and then fast travel everywhere. Like I'm not, I'm not even. <laughs> there's there's so many weird things that this game does that on one hand is trying to give you the 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 ways to sidestep all of that open world stuff, and doesn't. But at the same time, it gives it to you so early on in the game that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they're intentionally just sort of like thinking in terms of accessibility. It's like, okay, we know you don't have 40 plus hours. Maybe you want to just jump from mission to mission. But at the same time, yeah, I'm literally circumventing a lot of the uh, things that are on the ground. I'm not driving on the roads. I'm not taking time to take in the sights. I'm just like, I'll jump into a chopper or a plane and just fly to the next mission. Um, Jump out, parachute down kill everybody and then move on to the next thing. I mean, I think this is the inherent problem with a lot of open world games, particularly the Ubisoft formula, where like the open world itself is very seldom interesting. It's like, it's it's just visually it's eye candy to proceed through to the next. Yeah. Spot where stuff happens. Yeah, visually, it, yeah, visually it is very interesting. Visually, it's very you know, it's very colorful, which is nice, and and um, but there is nothing about it that makes it memorable. Because you go from a road down the highway through a forest to another the highway through wooded forests to another one which is a town that looks generic so yeah I'm just doing all of that stuff there are minor things that annoy me um, in the game more than any other Um, I think the main thing the main thing is like movement traversal they try to do this whole thing where you can like perch on the edge of um, of of a of a ledge and you can sort of peek over right and they're trying to do a bit of the, the, the what's the word, parkouring, when you sort of go over the walls and, and that sort of thing. Um, but because they've tried to introduce that, there are certain walls that you just can't jump over. 
and there's just some oh, obstacles that's impossible oh, oh, oh. to jump over because it's not sort of marked as the traversable terrain. Even though that they visually they look exactly the same height, I'm like, oh golly, this is like okay, I didn't hit the right pixel in order to kick start the animation, in order to move above this wall or, or, or over this over this obstacle, and that's just annoying the shit out of me. Um, other than that, like minor things, it's pretty fun. The music is fantastic. The music is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the main character has a lot of <laughs> character. <laughs> and, you know, it's just enjoyable to be the main character. Not enjoyable, that's probably too strong a word, but it's, no, it's not the silent protagonist that is often the case in these open world games. It's just not a silent protagonist. The, the, this, this character has, has their own voice, which is, which is nice to inhabit for a while. You know, you're driving down the road, you, you, the radio comes on, and then your character sings along to it. So you hear oh, cool. her singing together with the radio, and it's like, okay, alright, there's a little bit of, you know, there's, there's, a, little, there's a lot more personality to, to the main character. Um, and things generally make sense of why you would do one thing, how one mission leads into another makes you know, sense. Um, and so... Generally, I'm enjoying it. <clears throat> a lot was made about the main bad guy, um, the uh, Anton Castillo, who was played by uh, what's his name, Giancarlo Esposito. <clears throat> yeah, and he's you know he's good. He's just hamming it up, like to the maximum degree. So it's enjoyable every time his character comes on screen. Um, he's got and, one of those voices. Yeah, he's got one of those voices like. A screen presence, just like he's there and you know he's there. Mm-hmm. So, all in all, pretty good, pretty enjoyable. It's a Far Cry um, game. It's a Far Cry game. It's probably one of the better Far Cry games, I think. Uh, I was just about to ask where you'd sort of put it in the rankings of the other Far Cry games. Probably in the upper in the upper half. Like to be fair, I haven't played. I haven't played a lot of Far Cry Two. Which a lot of people love. Well, I think uh, it's weird because when you say a Far Cry game at this point, I think we mean Far Cry Three and beyond. <laughs> like that is like a different yeah. formula, a little bit to what the first two were. <laughs> was it two or three, which is the one that people love? Uh, three was the one with uh, Vars, which went like crazy. Popular. They were loved for different reasons, but two is the one that has the really hardcore cult following. Yeah. Oh, two is the one with the malaria, right? Yep. Oh, yes. Yep. Okay. A lot so of malaria in two. <laughs> so it's very different from two. Um, I I'm not familiar with two, um, but of the modern Ubisoft uh, open world style, um, Far Cry's this is probably in the upper half, top two. Top four. Top. Yeah. I haven't played a Far Cry in quite a long time, so it would be interesting to see how it plays to someone who maybe hasn't experienced as many of the modern ones. Like, I, I finished 3, and I thought that was quite good. I loved 2, hence why I bought 3. I think I played 4 for maybe an hour or so, and it just I was like, this just feels like more Far Cry, and I got my fill with Far Cry 3, and I haven't played any of them since. Yeah. So You could finish Far Cry 4 in about two. an hour if you knew what you're doing, so you know. 
Oh, and now that's become its own thing, hasn't it? All of them have yeah. to have the secret way to finish the game in 20 minutes or whatever. So... Really? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, apparently they've been putting that into all of them. Because um, it... Uh, I guess it got so much traffic. From and they did it in 4. Far Cry 4 that... You know, when, when the main villain tells you to, main villain tells you to wait here, and of course the video game player and you starts running around and doing random crap. But if you literally just stand there and wait for him for long enough, the game he comes back and the game ends. Oh. Yeah, he literally makes you dictate to the second. The end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing there's probably a version of that in Far Cry Six. Um. So I guess. It'll remain to be seen where it sort of stands in the... Yeah, I mean, you should check out the review on player You should all check out the review on player2.net.au. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think Huzo loved it. and But he's always been a bit of a Far Cry fan. Um, but I think he, in his review discussion on our YouTube channel, which you should also check out, um, yeah, he, he and I think Paul talked about it. At quite, quite, at quite, a, quite some length, and you know, generally this is solid. This is a solid, solid Far Cry, Far Cry game. Like, it's, it's, yeah, I'm liking it more than five. That's for sure. I think to me, it's just the time sink that Ubisoft games have become these days. That is why I don't tend to um pick them up as much anymore. Well, that's why you. Yeah fly from one location to another in a chopper and just don't care about all the pretty pretty, pretty nothing in between. Or you find out how to finish it in an hour. And or, yeah, that's right. Find a super <laughs> shortcut. You know, you're back at EB Games two hours later to get your <laughs> refund. <laughs> oh, dear. Done. <laughs> Nailed it. Now, Adam, you've been playing a title that I've heard a bit of buzz about on social media, but I have not come into contact with myself so I'm interested in here to hear what you have to say about Inscription yes it's an indie title from oh, what's the gentleman's name uh, Daniel Mullins Games I think that's his name it is phenomenal so if you watch the trailer what you'll probably think that the game is is this digital card game uh, you've got this little character on a board you move forward sometimes it's it's path you choose where to go and every time you take a step there's a symbol that represents an encounter uh, not every encounter is a, is a fight where you battle with some of your cards. Sometimes it's um, buffing your current cards or getting new ones. Or, you know, like a gamble, like I'll put this in and then you'll get this back or maybe you'll get nothing you don't know. So you look at that and you go like, this this looks like, you know, a quick, simple, kind of fun game uh, that you could probably just sit down and she'll maybe play a few rounds and uh, maybe there'll be a bit of a story there you can get to the end beat the final boss or whatever. Uh and after a few hours, you realize, and this is where I have to really hold myself back from giving too many details, everything changes. It, it stops being that. There is a mystery that is continuously unfolding in front of your eyes, and there are ARG elements to it, and there's lore coming out that will say, I finished it once, and then I had to go back and start playing through it again because I, I missed things. There are secrets in hidden lore that I just have not unlocked yet. And that's after about 16 hours or so. So 16 hours was my first run through. And now I'm going through the second one, just making sure that I get all these little things. And it's fun. So 
the, the battles themselves, like the, the card game itself, is actually really fun. And you can, um, if you're good at building your deck and you get a lucky enough draw, you could potentially, like, win on your first turn. You go, bang, I beat this, like, this, uh, not even a boss, like, I beat this character, move on to the next step. And, um, that, that does happen when you've, like, you've built up enough, like, powerful cards that you go, like, oh, I'm going to buff this card a lot and then do this and here's my strategy. Sometimes you get it, oh, yeah, and you smash it out. Other times, though, those RNG gods are against you. Doesn't matter how good your deck is, they've just got a better hand than you, and it's like, oh shit, this is being downhill literally from the start. But it's just how the game changes. So you you basically go through through these acts, and at the end of each act, you'll have a big boss. Uh, they'll have a special thing that happens in that fight, like a, a special condition or something like that. So you'll you'll beat them. And then you go, cool, the final boss, oh, it was a big, big lead-up and it was a big hoo-ha about it. And then you have all this footage that didn't seem to have anything to do with the game and then drops you in this other part. It's like, yeah, keep playing. And you're like, wait, wait, what? And it's, it's all changed. Uh, how you move around, how you encounter things has all changed. The story continues to unlock. <sighs> I mean, this was actually a really hard game to review because, A, it's so good that I think everyone should play it. But if I start telling you about what makes it good, about how all the changes and what it does, and how, oh, now you've got to think this way, now you've got to build these, these sorts of decks, and the game, the actual gameplay has actually changed a little bit now, so now you can't be thinking this, you've got to be thinking this, because that's going to spoil it. And half the fun is not having that spoiled and just being constantly surprised as you go through the game. It was that good, so we've got a review code for Player 2. Absolutely loved it. Uh, review should go live probably by the time that you're hearing this podcast. But I went out and bought this game and gifted it to a friend. Like, that's how good the game is. It's really, really good. Um, kind of don't want to talk more about it except tell people, like, look, go buy it. Like, go read the review. Like, find out why I thought it was so good. But, oh, man, it's... <laughs> I see a bunch of friends who have it on their wish list, and I'm just making sure that I let them know. It's like, yeah, don't, don't just leave it there. Go play it now. This is actually a really good game to go through. And then when they get through their first run, then I'll start linking them up to say, like, oh, did you unlock this? Did you go see this? How, do you know what this thing does? I don't know. No one seems to know what this thing does. Ugh. Okay, Enjoyable I'm going to suggest that everybody maybe buy this game, but don't be Adam's friend while you're buying this game, or else this man is never going to stop haranguing you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just start calling. What, what level are you up to? Oh, yeah, that's a good level. Mm, oh, I can't explore what happens next. And I'll call five minutes later. Have you gotten to the next level yet? Just hey. off my number. <laughs> I feel like you could hear Ken and I sort of perking up in our chairs a little bit at the mention of deck building. Yeah, not- and, the, and it's only a little bit like that. There are sort of like um, your deck is actually very basic. Every time you say you die and you restart, at least in the first section, your deck's very basic. Um, and then, but there are roguelike elements because you have some items that you can use. They're like a one-time only thing and you get more of those or selection for more as the game goes on. And even your cards, like uh, you can get like new cards that come selectable almost like any roguelike. You don't start with it, but you can potentially get it down the road. And you just know what to look for. So like cards can have special abilities and like, oh, I like comboing that with this because then I do this and then I can like really do this big combo. And you, you put that in there almost like your like a Magic the Gathering deck. Um, it's not to the level anywhere near the level of what uh, say you know, Hearthstone is or Magic the Gathering or anything like that. Anything where that is literally the whole point of the game. 
this is so much more than just a card game. But that aspect is, I found it quite fun. Like immediately, I went back and started again, just because I just that first act, I was like, yeah, I was, I was hooked on that, and I've been through the first act uh, a couple of times now, and I'm like, yeah, now now I should go through the second act because that was really good. Because first time I went through, I was kind of like stumbling about how to best build things because again the gameplay switches on its head and I'm like I want to go back and go I'm going to try this this time I'm going to switch that up and make that a little bit easier just really fun it's um, it's it's a game that could potentially get missed but uh, as you point out there is buzz on the internet and it is absolutely well deserved that buzz is real uh, what platform do you play it on? PC PC because uh, it would be remiss of me not to ask the mandatory question for every uh, indie PC game going forward. Is there a Switch port? Because I feel like I would love a Switch a good port. Question. I actually don't know. I, I haven't looked into it. Like, well, I... you should wait and wait and buy a Steam Deck. Yes. <laughs> Sound investment just to, pl- just to play an indie <laughs> game, sure. A very large investment. It's like a very large purchase to play Inscription, but based on Adam's description, that could be just the prescription I need. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> so just just and, to put this in perspective, the requirement that, for this is an i5-760. I did not even know the numbers went that low. Well, they do now, so maybe that is good news for me with the Switch port. <laughs> I think it'll eventually come out. It, like, it lends itself to any anything. It's like, you don't need dexterity or anything like that. You can play it with a controller, you can play it with your mouse and keyboard, it doesn't matter. Play with anything. Thing. It's uh, it it should run on anything, so it wouldn't surprise me if it is coming there. But I honestly haven't checked yet. Well, I will keep an eye out. Now, before we switch to our main topic, I think we're going to pause for a little break now, and we'll be back momentarily. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that little break from us. We certainly enjoyed it from you. But now we're continuing on with our topic of the evening, which is, do we feel like the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 are a worthwhile investment one year after their release? Uh, In the green room before this segment, we had a little interesting chatter going on about this. I thought we might kick it off with uh, Tim, who managed to by pure happenstance get himself a PlayStation 5 much to the chagrin no doubt of many of our listeners who have been struggling for nigh on a year to secure themselves a PlayStation 5 console Tim how are you feeling about your PlayStation 5 purchase I will happily tell you but first don't think just because you got really wordy you're going to get around I need you to explain to me what the fuck he just meant about the break what the 
It was just a bad joke. Oh, I was trying to make the listeners feel bad about themselves. I feel dirty and confused at the same time. <laughs> um, I mean, oh wow, that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I sold my PS4. I, I mean, I was, I was very incredibly busy at the beginning of the year. It's like you know what I mean, I had told myself I was just gonna okay. I've got a, I got a backlog backlog of some um. Steam games that are not going to tax my computer that I should maybe one day play. I've got a few windies installed on the Switch. That's going to see me through most of the year. And I just kind of sold my PS4 and I put that money in a when I wanted PS5 or Series X. I'm piggy bank. And then I got a PS5 in the first half of the year. Story I've told before in the podcast, basically by accident. It was there. I had a chance. I got it. And yet yeah, the main reason for why I'm like, yeah, sure. Happy I have this is... Largely, one, I was able to get a black case for it, so it doesn't look so ugly anymore. And two, it's backward compatible, and this is <laughs> this is the big deal. It basically means it is still doing the job of my PS4, except now I can play PS5 games. But I've literally bought one better. PS5 game all year. Like I'm literally was using that game also available on the PS4. No, it was Ratchet and Clank. Oh. Okay. Which was a very fun, very polished, probably could only exist in that console game, but also not a, like, it was a good, solid, fun game. It was not a turn-your-life-upside-down game. But that's the sort of thing that happens in the first gener- first year of basically every generation for the last couple that we've had anyway. Like, I don't think anybody oh, got a PS4 or an Xbox it. One and were like, oh my god, this game is earth-shattering. Uh, I think when I looked into it, um, based on, apart from maybe the Xbox 360 launching with Oblivion in Australia, which was amazing for me at that point in my life, I think every other console I've looked at the first two years and been like, I could have skipped that. Mm -hmm. That was all of the Dreamcast life, you take that back. Uh, Hello, I had a Dreamcast, thank you very much, those things were amazing. Um, I I said post Xbox 360. Yeah, it's. I think I, th- I feel like <laughs> you're right. I mean, we've all seen this. Uh, I think the uh, it was a PS4 and Xbox One where I first went. As you put out, you could have waited a year and you didn't really miss anything. Uh, in my case, the only game I wanted on the Xbox One was Killer Instinct, and that was a launch. Time. I was like, cool, I'm 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 sold. That this is what I want. But um, oh, was I? When you said it was a year since the uh, the XX and the PS5 had been released, a year. I mean, that doesn't even seem real to me. Because there really hasn't been that many games. And is anyone really surprised that this has kind of been the case? No, I'm I mean, not, not, I'm, I'm not hugely. Not I mean, you've also got a pandemic on top of everything else that's probably disrupted development even further. Supply that's issues scary. like that. You, like, people can't get them still as well. Like it. That's true. But I would say there is more of a reason to upgrade. So there was a lack, say, back when the PS4 came out. There was a full year where like, there was no reason to replace your PS3. This time you might as well, if you can, replace your PS4 because it will still play 99% of your PS4 games, which is a significant factor. It means yeah, you can sell the other one for a decent price, which is exactly what I did. And replace them better. And like, uh, most really of them, yeah. Like, God, yeah. I did, to be fair, I replayed God of War on the PS5 and holy crap like having a lock 60 frames per second on that quality mode that was that was a game changer yes 
it's good, isn't it? But I, I love, love the snappiness of the new consoles. It was always a major gripe when they came out with the specs of the PS4 and Xbox One. They were good specs, but the, the interfaces just ran like dog shit. Like, the PS4 was pretty good. The Xbox One was just so jittery and slow I think, and kind of crap. And these new ones are, oh, schmick. I love them. They're well, so it, good. It was only the last update that the Series X actually has a 4K uh, UI now in the... Um in the base menu like prior to that but it was like, still but like going upscaling between things, like between a game yeah. going to this Operate, menu, yeah, menu. operationally yeah it's so good I love that feel and um, I know they made a big deal about this in the in the lead up about um, having to get rid of loading times and there are a few um, outlets online that said like oh I didn't think loading times were that much of a problem in the, in the PS4 and Xbox One I went yeah they really, really were. That was actually a real pain in the ass. Let's let's fix that, and they did. It's really good. Really, really good. Oh, um, so that that's kind of what's impressed me. But again, we're just talking hardware here, you know. Like I'm sure all of us um, have gamed on high-end PCs at one point in our lives or something like that. So we we know what quality kind of is, but you have to usually pay for it. Um. So it's all going to come down to the games, isn't it, at the end of the day? Well, so, so. I think I think this is... The, the, the tail end of last generation, this generation, has really solidified to me that I will take 1080p with 60 frames per second yep. any day of the week over 4K textures and 30 frames per second. And a lot of the, those uh, PlayStation 4 titles have received updates to run at 60 frames per second on the uh, PlayStation mm. 5. Last of Us Part 2 being one that I replayed purely because of the 60 frames per second patch uh, much sooner than I probably would have otherwise played that game and it was such a nice experience to have that fluidity of movement. Also uh, Ghost of Tsushima which uh, received an update to smooth its frames out. Uh, I have started uh, messing about with God of War in its uh, update you know what I'm actually I on the PS4 Pro that thing ran at about 40 to 45 the, frames, yeah that so unlocked frame rate was it wasn't garbage. as bad um how was it no I, I'm understanding God of War like I locked that thing to um 30 on PS4 Pro because like it was an unlock it was just a wavering uncapped frame rate it never hit 60 basically and it was always like 45 50 and it just wasn't smooth um, oh. whereas the PS5 you get the graphics ad like it was just locked the thing, the thing I'm actually super curious here, because it's 60 to 30 thing, I'm still okay with 30. It depends on the genre, basically. But there are plenty of games I'm happy enough to play in um, 30 frames per second. And I can't do this because I need a new TV, but Ratchet & Clank did re- receive a patch a little bit after I bought it. It wouldn't have made a difference if my TV doesn't support it. Because TV, a lot of TVs now doing 120 frames per second, that means that 40 frames per second is now a sensible target. Because 40 divides evenly into 120. Uh, I haven't played the 120 frames per second mode. My TV does support it. Um, I do know that I felt that Ratchet ran like dog shit on the 60 frames per second. It looked like garbage. I couldn't handle it. Like that game specifically, when I tried, I I did not care about all the visual bells and whistles. As soon as that frame rate was down to 30, it felt slow and sluggish. But that 30 is now 40 if your TV does 120, and I would expect that would be a noticeable improvement. Like, it's diminishing returns. The difference between 30 and 60 is massive. And then 60, 120 is not insignificant, but you you lose progress with each time you stretch it out. So 40, I really want to see if we get more 40 frames per second stuff. 
For me personally, I think I, I don't notice over 60, but by the time it gets around 40 to 45, I can definitely feel that over 30. But I think it's interesting to bring that up because I think everyone has like their own sort of tolerance level for it. Some people will game at 30 frames per second and game at 60 and look at you and say, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. And some people uh, like will not want anything under 100 frames. Usually the people who are very used to high-end PC specs, they're like, did it just drop a frame? Oh, it went down terrible. to 97. And yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Disgusting. It's like playing a Nintendo 64 again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's it's really interesting how it sort of affects people differently and I never thought I would be a frame rate snob and I guess to PC Master Race I'm not because I'm like wow 60 frames but um, yeah I I really feel like I am quite happy to turn off some of the visuals to get that uh, smooth 60 frames and obviously the uh, PlayStation 5 and the Series X offer that not just for newer games but also uh, previous gen games so it's almost like you're getting to play a definitive version of games which may not even have a definitive patch it's just the performance level I would prefer them to have and I feel that's one of the biggest uh, things that I've enjoyed with these new consoles because I guess quite frankly in terms of the games outside of that 60 frames per second I wouldn't say there's any game that has wowed me and I'm like, oh, that is what the PlayStation 5 can do. That is what the Series X can do. Uh, Demon's Souls looks amazing and sounds fabulous and everything. But I played that game before. It's, it's just a better looking version of that game. To be fair, uh, like Ratchet it was... Clank, the stuff with the rifts, definitely. It was... Um... It wasn't until The Witcher 3, probably, that we kind of got the, oh, this is what the PS4 and Xbox One can do. And that was no, a and that's, good and that's year probably. and a half after release. And then they somehow got it running on the Switch. I mean, it looks like Dog's Breakfast on the Switch, but they got it running on the Switch as well. <laughs> I think then that probably ties into that point of, you know, it's probably not until two to three years until the system really hits its stride. I think the PlayStation 4, or actually probably the PlayStation 3 more than any system, showed that that it took developers a long time to get a handle on that. And when they finally did, it would it ran rings around the 360 in terms of what it could achieve. But it takes up to that point. But now with the hardware being so similar to develop on between the two systems, I don't know if we're going to really see as much of a jump between the two of them. No. In terms of... um. In terms of essential purchases, would we say that anything that is released so far is an essential purchase for either console? Yes, for a PS5, you absolutely must buy a black shell and a black controller. Or just not the white. <laughs> just get rid of all that white shit. <laughs> it's, I actually like the design. I really hate how the PS5 looks. I don't hate it. Yes! They got the balls to like actually put something out that, that looks significantly different. Like, how boring was the last generation in terms of design? It was boring. God, when I, I saw it, I went, "Wow, that's really conservative." Like, give me, give me the wow factor. Give me that concept design that some guy in the corner came up with. Like, I said, "This is." A he good went idea. to a two dollar store so and saw a toy yeah. spaceship and came back and said, "I know what the PS Five is going to look like." You know what? It sounds. It sounds like Adam is fully on board with the original Xbox concept, which was a <laughs> silver X, a giant, with a X, giant glowing, a giant just a I kind of love that. 
I mean, I guess it's, you know, better than what we have in the Series X, which is just a big rectangle. You know, back to the question that you were asking before, like, is there anything exclusive? And I actually had to start looking because I'm like, shit, what is exclusive? Because I was going to mention a few games. It's actually Astro. The best thing is probably Astro's Playroom. It's a thing that just comes on there. Like, the new Guilty Gear game is really good, but you can get that on the old consoles. It's fine. Um, gee whiz, like... I don't know, man. Like, it's... it's hard. I was even going to say, like, the not the COD that came out now, the, the other COD was actually kind of fun. It was kind of fun. It's not essential. And also, you can get that on the old consoles. It's, it's just surprising that we haven't seen as many exclusives, or even, like, a couple that I could sit down and go, oh yeah, there you go, that's an exclusive, you should go get that. I was even going to say Hot Wheels, but I'm pretty sure you can get that on everything as well. I, look, I think I only own three PlayStation 5 exclusives. That's Demon Souls, mm-hmm. Ratchet and & Clank, and Deathloop. And that's half of them, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, and Deathloop we can get on PC, so... Death Stranding really Director's Cut. But, no. That's also on... Is that all? I feel like PC's that's, always that's been like a ghost in Tsushima. Uh, yeah. No, no, this card. So I think it's it's so coming in as somebody who doesn't have either, mm-hmm. and looking at effectively what I'm looking at is you know value proposition because these machines are not cheap, no, right now, and they are also not available. And if I wanted something now, 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 I'd be paying scalpers on eBay. Not like, worth it. Yeah. I know it's I know it's not worth it, but if I wanted one immediately, like shipped to my door within the next two days, that's the only route I have. Like there is no other way to get these consoles. Like mm. it comes on PS fives come online um at E B games and it gets snapped up within minutes. It's ridiculous. The demand for these these machines are just crazy. So the value proposition I'm looking at is not just the machine, but it's the experience that the machine will give me, right? So yes, it's beyond the it's beyond the hardware. It's about the games, but it's also the entire ecosystem um, that you'll be buying into because most people, I, I assume, can only afford one of these machines. They're not going to buy both, and why would you? Because the overlap is so big in terms of games. Exclusives on PlayStation, you've got yeah, Ratchet and Clang, Demon Souls, um maybe the future Horizon game when it comes out eventually. Returnal. Um Returnal, Deathloop, um Which is going to shop in Game Pass in like a year. That's gonna be a weird Yeah. Mm. And then, switch. you know, when you're looking at when you're looking at Xbox, you you know, you the exclusives there are like Forza, Forza Horizon 5, which is apparently pretty good. Uh, Halo, Gears of War, that stuff. But unless you are specifically looking for those, like pretty much everything else is just overlapping on those two machines. Right? So, so, so like the vast majority of the library doesn't sway, wouldn't sway me one way or the other. So I'm like, okay. I'd have to be really convinced about one or two of those exclusives. I'm more on the Halo end rather than on the Ratchet and Clank end of uh, of my gaming tastes. So I'm already sort of leaning towards the Xbox. Um, I've always been 
been a bigger fan of the Xbox controller over the PlayStation. So, again, sort of leaning in that direction. That DualSense is pretty good, um, though. I, yeah, I haven't had a chance to actually hold a DualSense, but, but um, I'll probably change my tune, you know, if I do. Um, and so, one of the things why I'm actually genuinely considering one of these two machines and and also specifically the Xbox Series X is Game Pass. Um, what a game changer that is. Oof. Like, Game Pass is just, just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, and like I said, it's not just specifically about the Game Pass, but it's when you buy into these machines, you're buying into the ecosystem. You're buying into... You have to like the way the machine feels. You have to like the way um, the UI feels. You have to like the layout of the buttons and and the the games that are there. And and like I said earlier, the, the games are almost a non-issue unless you are looking for a specific exclusive. Mm-hmm. So the, the where the game changer for me is yeah the ecosystem and and that's Game Pass. It's just ridiculous. I mean. It's an incredible value proposition. Um, I my Xbox came through Telstra, so it comes with uh, two years of Game Pass included with it. And I haven't bought an Xbox game in a year because why would I? <laughs> why would you indeed? Well, you don't. Look, and I will have Forza to- Horizon Five is waiting to unlock tomorrow. Unpacking has been downloaded and it's waiting for me to play. I will probably download Halo when it's released as well. I. I don't need to fret about any of that stuff. Psychonauts 2 was there day and date ready for me to play. Uh, it's really incredible. And I think it, yeah, it means that I don't really have, I, I don't feel the need to stay current with a lot of the news on there. Oh, cool, that's coming out. I'll, it'll be on Game Pass. Yeah. I, I do, like, I have been out, I've been out of, uh, out of the game for a while. Does multiplayer come free anymore on both those consoles? Because uh, PlayStation, no. you still have to get a membership, right? No. Um, you that. Game Pass, Gold has essentially been retired. Uh, yeah. It's rolled into Game Pass. So when you have Game Pass, you can play online, is my understanding. Um, PlayStation, you still need to have a PlayStation Network subscription to play online. Hmm. Um, the and one if you have got a PS Plus subscription, yeah, that's what it, that's what monthly. It, yeah, oh, that's that's I what he means. Basically, the script subscription now, right, so right. it's, so there, it's, it's, all it's rolled not in like well. multi-tiered, multi. No, account it's just like, the one thing that you pay. All right. There's one thing I alluded to earlier that I do kind of want to emphasize with regard to the price. So if we could, I mean, because is it beyond Sony's and Microsoft's control? There's a whole scalper situation. But it really is a case this generation more than any before where the cost of the new console is offsettable by selling the old one. Like, I had to hold on to my PS3 to play some PS3 games. There was no reason to keep my PS4. Yeah, true. No, that backwards Um, compatibility does make that a lot easier to swallow. And like I was saying earlier, I... Yeah, but Adam, you're a freak. I think I I knocked about 300 bucks off the price of the PlayStation 5 by trading in my old PlayStation and a couple of games I was never going to play again. I mean, all the games I sold, I'd somehow acquired a, a play, PlayStation Plus subscription like a couple of years later, so I kind of broke even in a lot of um, ways. I think that it's made it easier to swallow, but I think that is part of why it even feels less new gen. There's a recent Digital Foundry video um, on appropriately game at the moment, Forza Horizon 5. It does look freaking incredible. And they did make an interesting point, which is 
it looks, I mean, it is markedly better on Series X than it is on like a launch Xbox One, but it is still the same game. Yeah. It, I mean, it looks way softer and probably doesn't run as well. But it's the same game. They kind of went back to when Horizon 2 came out, and that was a 360 slash Xbox One game. And they had actually built two different games. And the difference between those two was night and day in a way that it wasn't between even the original launch Xbox One and the Series X. Do you think they've just gotten way better at scaling between the different levels of hardware? I think it's possibly that. Like, the the hardware is a little more standardized across both consoles. Also, just eventually just diminishing returns of, um, like, processing. At some point, what you're doing to make these games prettier is just adding adding more and more layers of stuff. Like, you can probably still have the core base and then just okay this one's got way better shadows of bouncing lights around we can add some more geometry here but if and like we can scale in like less popping whatever we'll have denser grass but it's still the same thing whereas that wasn't yeah, that, possible a generation yeah, that's ago that's totally spot on and I know people used to make the comparison like oh when Quake came out you know like we thought it was the best graphics ever because your brain was interpreting the things in that's partially true but also in terms of what we were clearly seeing there was like these big leaps in terms of visual impressions like I still remember that first time we saw Dune 3 uh, that that trailer that came out and I was showing shadows real time shadows for the first time and it was incredible to look at um, but we've seen shadows now it's just like oh these shadows are like a little bit better now now there's this and there's these shadows now can flicker in between here and that it's just smaller and smaller and smaller improvements now Granted, when you add those up, now you go back maybe 10 years, you can go, oh, I can see the difference there. But we've all said it, it's diminishing returns. And the same has been with controls and gameplay as well. Like, with gameplay and controls have just very gradually improved. So these diminishing returns, like, we kind of just expected it's less wow factor. It is better, but it's less wow factor. So where I'm seeing the big returns, and I think... That both companies kind of knew this when they came out, where they said, hey, we're going to go from 30 to 60, and you will see the difference. Uh, everyone's got a, like a semi-nice TV now that can run 60 frames per second, so go enjoy that. Uh, most people have, have a 4K uh, TV or a 2K TV or something like that. Like, we can actually enjoy these upper-res things running at 60 frames per second at the very least um, frame rate. Um Obviously, I, I can tell the difference, but I've been gaming on PC for a while. I like to game as close to 144 frames per second as possible. But I I remember 30 frames per second being a bit of a misstep in that generation. So to see that go from 30 to 60, I kind of feel that with the loading times and the snappiness of the consoles, that's where I'm seeing the big improve. Same thing. That's why the backwards compatibility is like, yeah, you can play your old games on here. By the way, we've improved them. They can run faster now. Yeah. That, that's always been a big sell for me. I thought that's that's a really good idea. And ironically, doesn't that feel like we're just kind of moving towards what PCs have been for a long time now? It's just like, here's better hardware. It runs it better. <laughs> I think it does. And, and like you said, the SSDs, I think, for PC players, it's no surprise the improvement that they have brought. But obviously for console players, um, it is night and day in terms of loading times and just how quickly the interface can move through things. Mm. Uh, Absolutely. If we, could, if we could go back and talk ourselves out of buying one of these, would we feel inclined to do so? Do you, Would you be desperately distraught if you did not have your 
next gen consoles right now. I mean, I'm in this weird situation where I still wouldn't have my PS4 because I would have sold that, and I think I would have eventually rinsed everything on my Switch and wanted to sit on the sofa instead of a PC chair. Um, so I'll come from this in a slightly different angle. Like I said, like I have been eyeing one of these, but I don't feel compelled mm. to get it. There is nothing, there is no pressing reason to get it. Like, I don't feel, even being, doing the things that we do, I don't feel I am out of step with what's at the forefront of gaming, even though I don't have either one of these consoles. Like, I feel like I'm already part, I I, I, I see the conversations, I see the videos, like, I'm already part of, like, there is no compelling reason other than if I wanted to play a very specific thing myself right now Mm -hmm. there is no push factor here that would that would make me want to go out and get one right now let's say it it magically became available in your stores and easily easily picked up like there is no push factor here there's very little push factor other than yeah I've got lots of down down time and I've got (laughs) I've got money burning a hole in my pocket or something like there is very little push factor uh, in my mind for, for for me in the position that I am to actually want to get one okay. it is a certain uh, degree I, of I, FOMO I, and availability I agree with you on that one yeah both, both of my consoles that I got were purely opportunistic um, people hmm. just had like a pre-order and said like sure yeah I was like I was going to get one anyway so I might as well get one now but I wasn't rushing out to get one because like you, I knew there wasn't like all these this influx of new games. Are like, oh, I got to play that. I got to play that. Would it be nice if I had it so that when that game comes out, like I had the opportunity to either review it or play it or just enjoy it or enjoy the backwards compatibility of them? Yes, and that's why I I wouldn't talk myself out of buying them. But at the same time, the FOMO never really got me. It was more opportunistic. Literally, people had extra pre-orders and they said, "Hey, I got both of these. Do you want this one?" I went, "Sure." That, that's kind of how it worked out. I would honestly say that again because that is, and I only have a PS5. Like by all accounts, the Series X backward compatibility is like a whole other level. Like I would just say, like if it is available and like you've got the other one sitting around, you can sell it or give it to like an old, a relative or whatever. It is probably wor- like even if there's nothing amazing in terms of just a logical fit and a slide in, it's less exciting, but it does make sense. It's like, you know what, you can play all these yeah. games and now they're going to hold the frame rate better and also it'll be in 4K. And you're going to get something for your old Xbox and One and there's no reason to have it, so you may as well give it to the younger siblings or trade it in or see if you can flog it on eBay or whatever and like that mm. is going to eat into the cost. I think the weird cost thing for me is, and I, I don't know if it's just me being more aware of this stuff now, but it feels like more than ever these consoles, to get the most out of them, relies on the other shit that you own. Because more than ever, it's like really having a shit hot TV, or like having a soundbar with like proper Atmos firing drivers and like actual satellite surrounds seems more important than ever. Like to actually make that difference, and that's yeah. that's a big ass commitment. I th- mm. think I think the closest parallel would be the jump to hate. You didn't know until you knew the minute you saw that stuff running in 720 or 1080 even it was a world of difference 
compared to trying to run it on an older TV. And I think it's just that next level of that with the jump to 4K. Like, it does take a long time for <laughs> a lot of people oh, to man. catch up. Yeah, I mean, speaking about that, the the moment I switched from the RGB cables to the HD cable on the on the old 360, I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. I can read the text. <laughs> <laughs> what was that that uh, zombie game? Yeah, Dead Rising was, like, was oh, notorious for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> they said unless you're running this at 720, uh... yeah, like <laughs> it was like... unplayable on an SD TV because you couldn't read <laughs> yes. anything on it. Oh, I mean, it's not just 4K. It's also like the various types of HDR. You've got all these multiple frame rate things now. And like I said, I, my TV cannot do it, but I am super curious about the idea that 40 frames per second may make sense. Of course, you. Mm. could budget for more visuals and still have a smoother than 30 experience which would work I think quite well for a lot of genres yeah. I mean you are right at some at on some level about you know the commitment not just about to the machine but to the environment the physical environment because my, my, my TV is about 12 years old now um, it does it did 1080 I when I bought it, not even <laughs> 1080p. <laughs> um, so, but it still works, and I've not got no intention of upgrading it. But if I w- walked into a JB Hi-Fi or a Good Guys now, it's going to be like 4K full HD, something something hertz, something something color color HDR dynamic range. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. When you eventually do upgrade, yeah. Ken, though, your eyes are going to melt out of your skull. Yeah, I know, Because it's right? been so long oh. that all these upgrades are no longer going to be incidental. Like, it's going to be this huge, meaningful leap. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good. Do we think there are any essential games, then? So, on the Xbox Series X, do we have anything? I think Forza Horizon 5 is about to become one. But outside of that, I'm struggling to think of anything that I would deem an essential Xbox Series X purchase. I think no. if you've I think if you've been an Xbox fan, what what's the what's the word for it? What Xbox Xbot. Xbox still a funny word. Xbox then then um Halo is absolutely up there. Like like I I'm don't not, I'm not sure about I'm I I'm about open world Halo. I don't know if that's a necessary thing. thing. I don't know. I, I think I am. I am. I am on board with open world Halo. I am. I am on board with that. Just, just, just shoot it directly into my veins. The game always uh, lent itself to open world. Um, yeah. it's, it's something that I feel like a lot of reviewers kind of miss when they were going through those games. Is that um, you're given a battlefield, but you're not it, really told how to beat it. It's like yeah, but that's more wide linear than open. It's still a controlled scenario. Oh. No, I, I, I actually, I mean, I'm on, I'm on, you know, Adam's side here because it's the corridor, the, the <laughs> narrow corridor shooter part of Halo, which always irked me the most. Same. Same. I mean, I guess the thing was they always had that idea that if it's actually on a Halo ring, you can only go so far out anyway. So, yeah, but depending I, on how it's a very thin island they approach I, it, then it's always going to be yeah, yeah, but. Halo, I am on board. I've read the books. I've said it before. I've read the books. I've, I teared up at, at the trailer for Halo 3 when it was time to finish the fight, you know. <laughs> okay, you're on a whole other level. So that's, that's a whole <laughs> other level. Right, correct. So so um, I've watched the movies. I've watched 
um, all, all the all the shorts. I wish I wish Neil Blomkamp had a, had an opportunity to direct the Halo movie. That would have been good. That would have been good. Mm. But for somebody who's sort of in that space, Halo is absolutely like your must get. That's fine. Well, we, hope. we can hope. Do we have anything on the PlayStation Five side? Like, would we say Ratchet and Clank is an essential? It's really good. It's very good for showing off the friends. I would still say, honestly, Astrobot. That game is really fucking good, but it, you know, it's not something yeah, it you can buy extra. And, and I guess it's good that it's free, but it's also only like four hours long. Yeah, yeah. Which is I, I, fine, but if you're like justifying buying an eight hundred dollar whatever console, then. I know. There's a I lot think of stuff. For me, the the essential, sorry, the essential to have on the PlayStation is actually Demon Souls. That's a very specific market, but, though. Yeah, well, it's and, an extremely specific thing, but that that would be for me. But I think, like Demon Souls, the the remaster for Demon Souls taps into that that very niche, but very dedicated, but and very like. Well, for both consoles, you could theoretically go with the apparently surprisingly way better than anybody was expecting Guardians of the Galaxy game, which seems to just not run very well on the original hardware. Like, it is still the same game, but, like, the performance apparently is that. I think I think Watch Dogs 3 was another case example where we are, like, okay, these games are still available if you own a PS4 or whatever, but... It's like, they run, but... <laughs> um, I, and I think that's probably to do with the pandemic and it being difficult to get the consoles in consumers hands we've seen sony backtrack on a bunch of their supposedly ps5 exclusive titles that are also coming to the playstation 4 i guess you can't readily ignore 110 million owners i think when they just Uh, can't sell enough ps5 like they don't need those titles to sell the ps5 i think is probably a big part of it i think the exclusives Uh, it's nice that they sell 10 million copies but their real purpose of those exclusives is to make the console desirable and if they literally cannot meet demand they have no reason to try to do that yeah I I, I guess for me in terms of the exclusive on the Playstation 5 I'd have to agree like it's Demon's Souls is great for a particular market Returnal is great for a particular market Deathloop is great for a particular market Uh, I'm not Ratchet is great but it's not a game of the year contender yeah, and like, I'm not seeing anything on the PlayStation 5 that I think is at that sort of mass appeal level mm. that Forza Horizon 5 and Halo like cut, is. Cut through the one that cuts through all the mm. noise. Yeah. yeah, we'll see if Horizon does it. That's I mean, that's coming out in PS4 as well, but it cannot possibly look anywhere near as good as those videos that they've shown. Mm. No, it never does. <laughs> never, never. It's showing you on these 12K screens. <laughs> It'll never look that good, but it will look nice. Well, in- interesting. Interesting that uh, a lot of us are surprised that it has, in fact, been a year since mm. those consoles made their way under our televisions because I know for myself especially, it doesn't feel like it's been a year, and when I think about the fact that it has been a year, I have not played them anywhere near enough. Well, like I, like like we've alluded to have just felt like a complete like wash mm. well, mine's just replaced my ps4 which is fine but it's i mean i don't think i mean i'm going i think we're going to become crusty old like nostalgic man like 
talking about back, talking about back around Quake, like, but like when Half Life came out and Half Life Two came out, Half Life Two actually still looks acceptably good. Half Life One does not. Like there was that period there where we were getting like meaningful, like crazy meaningful jumps in fidelity, like all the time. You like open a magazine a year later and be like, "Holy shit!" And that's never going to happen ever again. But it was also like consoles came out, so PlayStation and Saturn came out. It's like you just had real 3D, and it's garbage now. But that was kind of amazing. And 64 came out, and it never had enough games. But again, Mario 64 is like a defining launch title. Dreamcast came out with a bunch of awesome stuff. PS actually PS2 had a really weak first year. Um, but again, you got the HD consoles, and there was a wow factor again there. And there's only so many times that can happen before it's like, yeah. This is better, but I do. I do wonder if next gen might be the one where I have the willpower to hold off for twelve to eighteen to twenty-four months and just ride it out. I think yeah. next gen is I've, going I've, to be I've, the last gen. Legit. Do you think? Do you yeah. think? Do you think Microsoft's even going to have a next gen, or the series is called series for that reason? I guess yeah, our internet and there'll be a beefed up Series X and yeah. then a beefed up Series X after that and they'll just eventually phase them out well we're probably what two years away from the mid-gen refresh at this point anyway so I, I do wonder if people who have been struggling to get one it's not just a case of well I'll just hold out till they release the slightly better one because at least from my perspective I think if you have missed out on one I wouldn't um, beat yourself up over it and of course it's easy for me to say as someone that has both of the new consoles but (laughs) I think it's probably telling that some of the most fun I've had on my PlayStation 5 was playing The Last of Us Part 2 just pinnacle last gen gaming but also the idea of a PS5 Pro is hilarious to me because the PS4 Pro was significantly bigger than the PS4 can you imagine that happening again I'll need another new entertainment unit. <laughs> My god, the PS5 is huge. It's quite big. I still, I still don't get over how big it is sometimes. Oh, you can go and buy those, um, those knockoff, they're not the knockoff fins, but um, the third-party fins for the uh, PlayStation 5. Yeah, I already did that to get it black, and I've now noticed that they've started... I think Sony was threatening lawsuits, so that she started to change the shape a bit to make it smaller, which I kind of wish I had yeah, that. Right. They, <laughs> they, they took the, uh, the the corners off and and said to Sony, come back. Probably all black is slimming, so that makes sense. Also, like, just, you know, make it fit in more cabinets. And you all... Steve, I think this is where you wrap it up. Oh, okay, we're going to wrap it up. Do I have a good segue for that? <sighs> Not anymore, because well, I've already whispered at your best. I got this, I got this. Well, whether you are wrapping up a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X to put under the Christmas tree, uh, hopefully we haven't disappointed you too much in your thinking of flipping or returning that console purchase, because at least from my perspective, I think I was probably a little bit down on it. Ken couldn't care less. He's living free in yep. the previous gen. And he's, right. and he's uh, one out of all of us. I, I could, I, I've legitimately, you know, thought to myself, I could probably skip this entire generation and not feel like I'm <gasps> part of the. I, I, so, uh, so far, yeah. Until something, something killer comes out. Mech right? Warrior. Absolutely. Once there's Mech Warrior, <laughs> well, there already is Mech Warrior. There's Mech Warrior Five on PC. Uh, oh, here we go. The PC uh, guy. Yes. No, no. If Mech Assault comes out then you know 
maybe. Or Crimson Skies. Give me Crimson Skies <laughs> on Xbox Series X. That will do. I'm I am on board. Would well, you that's about go all for a time for for Stop pulling us back in, Tim. I start when I think I'm out. He pulls me back in. <laughs> Steven's been trying to Steven's been trying to do the outro of like three minutes now. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll put my hand over my mouth. There we go. go we can cut this right. We can we can cut it out. <laughs> can but won't. <laughs> we'll sort it out in post. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining us for episode seventy-two of the Player Two Pixelcast. Everyone out there. Uh, my- my name is Stephen Del Prado. You can often or sometimes irregularly find me on uh, player2.net.au. Uh, my latest uh, review has been for the Samsung Galaxy, Galaxy Z Fold 3 5G, uh, which uh, is a great piece of hardware, but uh, also very pricey. So go and read that. Tim, where can people locate you? I mean, I'm on the Twitter's app Pretendbeard. I will probably try and write up something on the good life this week, which means I w- if I was to guess the way the things work, it'll appear on the website sometimes next week. Sometime next week. Um, please do not stalk me at my house in Japan. <laughs> Adam, what have you been up to lately? Where can we find you? Uh, uh, where you can find me? You can find me on Twitter. That's Garfield, G-H-A-R-P-H-I-E-L-D. I'm usually there shit-talking or shit-posting, whatever, you know, one or the other. And, of course, you can always see me on Player 2, where all my articles mostly go up. And, Ken, uh, where you, can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Pixel, Pixel Hunt, and I'm currently working on a review for Player 2. Um, can't review what it is yet, because it's under embargo, but keep an eye out for that. Half-Life Excellent. Three. We, yeah, we're, we're that big. We got the exclusive. We got it right here. Shh, quiet. No, no, we're, we're small enough that we can fly under the under many people's radars. That's why we got it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, oh, Valve, Valve just well, thought, you know what would be really funny if we just roll a dice on a small Australian website? So you guys, you got it. You got it. <laughs> it it's all on you, Ken. Gabe's coming after the rest of us if you don't manage to pull this off. It's reviewed. Huh. That'd be a masterpiece. Well, thanks again. I think we've had it out already. That that yeah, okay, worked. very good. <laughs> but yes, please. And, and send your and recordings recording. to me as soon as possible. Yes. Dang. Absolutely. Doing it now. What number was this? 73? 72. 72. But if you label it 73, it won't matter because I will just see the most recent thing you've sent me and download it. Stop the recording. That said, please label it 72. Done. Exported. Exported. Let's do some noise reduction. Oh, I should probably do that too. Yeah, if you could just do a quick sound reduction. All right, you lovely peoples. I'm going to send this off and then have a night cap. Bed. Sounds like a plan. All right. It does sound like a plan. I'll be having a drink in a few days. 
I had such a hell. I think it was about a week and a half ago. I went over to a friend's house, such an enabler, and I've been hungover in the first time in I don't know how long, how many years. I was like, wow, I don't want to drink forever. So been I feel like it wouldn't. It, 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 you know, it doesn't take me long to get to that state these days either. Like the hangovers are way more intense. It's awful. It was. So I just tend not to. You know what it was? It was. Um, it was it's my fault, but it was this perfect concoction of uh, being social, being an extrovert, drinking, and then talking, and then it just it just. So you're in a pub, basically, is what you're describing. I'm at a friend's house. It's worse. Like there's no music interrupting.